Welcome everyone to the Special Education Inner Circle Podcast. I'm your host, Katherine Witcher, and today I have with me four master IEP coaches that are going to give you important IEP strategies that you need right now. We are in unprecedented times in special education, but I've been looking at this with a silver lining. Everything has fallen apart, but we can put it back together better than ever. And we can do that in small, simple strategies that make a huge difference. So I'm going to welcome Lindsay, Jacqueline, Jessica, and Jessica to the podcast today. Hey, everyone. All right. So and for those of you that are listening, they're all on mute because we're recording on a Saturday morning and we're all moms and in, in doing our thing. So we have muted the children in the background with that. For everybody who's watching us on Facebook and YouTube, you saw them all wave. They're all here. So we're going to get started with um, Jessica Ann Kong. She's going to let us know how did she end up at an IEP table and what is her important IEP strategy that you need today? Hi, I'm Jessica Ann Kong, and my first time at an IEP table was with my youngest son, who's on the autism spectrum. I'm also a special needs sibling, so I've had a lot of experience with the special education world. And something that I feel is really important, especially right now in the middle of all the craziness, is making sure that your parent input statement is updated, and it includes things that are actually overlooked quite often. And I feel like, especially with the amount of technology kids are having to use, our kiddos just weren't ready for that. You need to let your teachers, everyone on your IEP know, where is your kiddo at with technology right now? So technology has always been behind in special education compared to our general education peers and community. We always tend to get things last and it's really frustrating. And right now that magnifying glass is really blowing up all of the holes in special education and technology has been a huge one. So um, if you're listening to this and you're like, Jessica, tell me more of that, know that you can go over to myiepcoach.com and ask uh, to speak with Jessica. There's a form there that you can fill out. We'll make sure that you get in touch with her and you can ask about a parent input statement and what would a technology kind of update or request or emphasis look like? Of course, if you're here watching live on our Facebook or YouTube, you can post a question below and we'll make sure to get to that. So, all right. So technology put inside of our parent input or parent concern section is a huge strategy that we can take to move forward. Now we're going to chat with Jessica Beatty, who's going to tell us how did she end up at an IEP table and what's her simple strategy that she's suggesting that we take soon. Hi, I'm Jessica Beatty and I joined the IEP table with my son four years ago. He's on the autism spectrum. Then again for my daughter, she's in preschool. She's on the autism spectrum as well and now I've dove in even further as I'm diagnosed as an autistic adult. And uh, the tip I have is something that I work on personally and with those that I'm working with outside of this is to, at the end of the year, to be prepared for next year or your next IEP meeting uh, is to take a inventory of what is what has been going on during this period of time, what is working, what isn't working, your wins, uh, some of your concerns, and overall so you can have a picture of what is going on in your family that you can present to your team. 
Absolutely. So here's what I love about that tip. You're saying what's going well and what's not going well, or your wins and your losses. One of the most important things for me when I was a special education teacher was to know what has been tried and didn't work. So mm -hmm. I didn't go through that struggle of saying like, oh, I think this kiddo would love stickers. They're going to love stickers as a, re as a reinforcement. They're going to work for stickers. Why did the last teacher or the parent not tell me that the child is scared of stickers and runs screaming from them and hides under desks? And I can't figure out why, you know, what's going on. It wasn't an exact, you know, like every time I brought out the stickers, it wasn't like it happened immediately, but it was, it was a huge issue. So why did nobody say like stickers do not work? Please use stamps or please use, you know, whatever else might work. So taking an inventory of what has worked what hasn't worked what strategies you've tried what you know just it can save so much time and let's just face it when we've been doing this virtual and hybrid learning system we have tried more things than we have ever tried before <laughs> we, we have found out things that worked and things that don't work at a whole new level so again i want to encourage you guys if you're like yes how do i take this inventory how do i communicate what's working and what's not working you're going to reach out to jessica Beatty at myiepcoach.com again you'll see a form that says i want to chat with her see what's going on so um head over there we'll make sure you get connected all right we've got Lindsay with us today. Uh, Lindsay completed the Master IEP Coach program recently. So I'm excited for you guys to really get to know her and to know how did she end up at an IEP table and what's her strategy that she's suggesting for us today. Hi, I'm a stay-at-home mom of four. Um, I started at the IEP teacher, I mean, at the IEP table as uh, a general ed teacher. Um, and then I'm there now as a parent of an autistic, autistic student. Um, he's in second grade and has been in the program since early intervention. Um, but my biggest tip, and this is for both parents and teachers, is the small talk. Um, I find it really important to get to know your teachers. My own son, I tell his teachers, he's a relationship kid. You need to build a relationship with him before it will form, do anything for you. Um, and that's how I am as parent and teachers are. My son's teacher was moving the same time as we were. So just having that mutual like discussion of, oh my goodness, moving with children is so hard. And we gave each other grace when we didn't show up for our virtual class <laughs> on time. And, you know, um, when she didn't respond to my email as quickly that weekend, um, you know, it's just building that mutual respect based on common um, just things common going on in your life. Right. So it, a lot of times we are looking at the IEP as such a stressful pro process. And we know that, you know, I'm teaching all the time that like, this is a business process, right? There are strategies, there are laws, there are rules about what has to happen. It's very clear about what should and should not be happening in many different circumstances. It causes a lot of stress. But then sometimes we forget <laughs> that we can be human beings with each other. And it's okay, even if you're in conflict, it's okay to talk about your coffee or your moving or there's a struggle or there's a win. 
or whatever. Like that small talk can be so important. I was sharing with Lindsay as we were chatting before this that when I was a, a teacher, I don't even know where in the small talk it came up, but I was talking to one of my students' parents and I must have said something that I was doing over the summer um, something that I was looking forward to that had to do with a pool or a beach or something, because I, I can remember getting a gift from the parent that was a beach towel and a summer tumbler. And I can, like out of all the teacher gifts, I'm sure that that was not the most expensive one or the most elaborate one or the most whatever. But I remember how I felt when I got that. So I was like, oh my gosh, that was so nice. Like she knows exactly what I was looking forward to this summer. And that all came through small talk. And it, it does build that parent teacher relationship. We don't have to be best friends, but we don't have to be all business all the time either. So I love that, Lindsay. Um, if you guys are struggling with communicating with your team when it comes to just that general relationship and what you can do to build that, I'm going to encourage you guys to go over to myiepcoach.com, fill out the form and ask to talk to Lindsay and we'll make sure that you guys get connected. I, I love that. And remember, if you are watching live, you can post the questions below. And we'll get to those. I see that we've got some comments and coming through. So we'll we're gonna go over those in just a minute after we talk with Jacqueline. Jacqueline, can you tell us um, how did you end up at an IEP table? Sure. Hi. Um, sorry, internet just trying to make sure. I was gonna say I so. internet's a little bit out. I'm not sure if we're gonna have good audio. Let's let's oh. see one more time. Try to tell us how did you end up at an IEP table? Can you guys hear me? So, I can hear you. Yep. Um, I can hear you. Great. I am a, a board certified behavior analyst. So I have been working with individuals with autism and other developmental disabilities for the past decade. And I've been consulting in the school district and also working one-on-one -on -one with families. So I've seen that disconnect and that's really, I've been at a lot of IEPs on both sides of the table. And that's really what drove me here to um, this wonderful group of people who really, you know, are all about bringing the team together. So that's how I got here. And um, my tip for today is. And we completely lost her. <laughs> So um, for those of you that that heard a little bit of that intro, she is a BCBA who has an extensive amount of experience inside of the school system, both as a consultant and some other roles. So if you have questions about behaviors, behavior plans, uh, it would be awesome for you to go over to myiepcoach.com and let us know that you need to talk to Jacqueline and we'll make sure to get you connected. But we're just going to keep on going because we have Lindsay and Jessica and Jessica here and we're going to answer some questions that are coming through. We have, um, let's see, we have Tina, and I'm probably going to put this over to Jessica Ann Kong, just so you know. Jessica, get ready as I read this out loud. Tina says, I cannot get my son to do his work. Um, it's a fight every day. He's just having a hard time. So Jessica, will you fill us in? You told us that you're you know, at the IEP table as a special needs mom and you're a special needs sibling, but you have some other experience too. So could you fill us in a little bit on that other professional experience and then address Tina's question here? Of course. So right now I'm actually a substitute SPED teacher as well. And um, I do a lot of work with my son at home, especially with a lot of the remote learning stuff going on. So 
especially in these circumstances where everything is just crazy. All of our environments, especially for the kiddos in their learning states, has completely changed for them. So it's a lot more overwhelming. And I've seen you have to find something that is reinforcing for the child. That can be a YouTube video that they really like, a song, stickers, erasers, pencils, you know, anything that they find that they really like. And you have to increase access to that reinforcement during times when they're really struggling. So getting them to complete their work, um, a, a couple different things you can do is, hey, we're going to work for five minutes and then you can have a five minute break. And then we're going to work for five more minutes. Yes, it's a little bit more daunting because you have to follow the timer but the work will get done and you're gonna feel a lot better at the end of the day knowing, okay, we're done with everything. Now we can just relax and have family time. And I wanna encourage you, Tina, that if for some reason your school team is not on board with that strategy, they're like, no, we really need him logged into the Zoom for the full 20 minutes. You know what? If you can't do it, you can't do it. And you can get an accommodations, modifications. In fact, Jessica, um, Beatty, will you share with us a little bit, you had, um, your virtual learning plan modified for your son because you were doing something very similar to what Jessica, other Jessica who's here with us, was suggesting and that didn't align with what the school expectations were. So can you share just a little bit about um, how you modified that virtual learning plan for your son? Yes, absolutely. Uh, we just moved here and uh, we're fortunately in hybrid, so he was able to go two days a week to reinforce and build that relationship in person because if he doesn't have that in-person relationship, it, it's the same as others have talked about. He just can't engage. And he, he struggles with Zoom as well. He will not do anything during Zoom or after he's on Zoom. So, one of the things I did to modify this and make sure that the team knew was from day one, I let them know what wasn't working, what behaviors happen when he is on a Zoom and what we can do and what the expectation is. And fortunately here, they have some social time and he's able to log in for that if he chooses. So the only requirement he has is to come on and say hello and then he can leave if he cannot do that they're totally fine with that as long as he turns in an what at least one assignment for the day just to show his attendance and then we were allowed we were able to modify and allow more time so he has the rest of the week until the first day he's back into school on monday to turn in all his extra work I love that. I love those modifications. So Tina, there you have some ideas. We have Tammy who was saying the same thing. She said, my six-year-old son is the same way. He will not do his work. So Tammy and Tina, you guys have some options there. I also want to invite you over to the special ed inner circle. That's where you can get some additional ongoing support. Um, in addition to talking to master IP coaches one-on-one, -on -one, you could head over to specialedinnercircle.com and you'll get some ongoing supports and trainings to help you there. Now, I've got something for Lindsay because I know that this comment came up because of how she introed herself. So Candace is looking for some ideas. She says, my son is nonverbal and started working, uh, started in early intervention and he's now, he's now verbal. So he was nonverbal, now he is verbal and he's in fourth grade and he has excelled so much. And before the pandemic, she was a full-time dental assistant. 
and now she's laid off and she's a stay-at-home mom and she's taking online classes and she's helping her son with a remote learning. And so do you have any tips on juggling things for a new stay-at-home mom who is put, trying to put all of these things together? Now, I will tell you again, for those of you that are that are listening and you can't see our faces, everybody like... It's like we want to hug her and like shake our heads at the same time. Like, yes, Candace, you are not alone. We are all figuring out how to juggle that. So, Lindsay, I'm putting you on the spot. But do you have any um, advice for Candace on how to really try and make all of this work? Yeah. And I mean, the simple answer that anyone would tell you is like pick and choose, cut things that aren't as important. But that's very hard to do because there's a lot of things that are very important. Um, but for instance, when in March, when, you know, I had four children at home, three of them were, you know, doing sort of remote learning. <laughs> and then I had a toddler <laughs> who was distracting from that. Um, I just talked to the teachers again, the, conversations and I said, hey, listen, <laughs> um, we're not gonna do everything, you know? So if you want them to do 10 math problems or something, if we get three done, like I'm calling it a win. Like expectations should go from here to here. <laughs> I love it because most people would even say, okay, if you ask for 10, we'll do at least five. And you're like, no, like you went straight to like the three. Like if we can get three done, we're good because a, a lot of parents are not thinking in the way of taking things away can actually make things more beneficial. So um, we we say things like you have to take away some things that are good to get to some things that are great. That's a that's a concept that I love to teach on in, in our special education community. Is like you can't do all the things all the time especially you can't do them well. So I love that you just were like, okay, let's just start here with some concrete examples of if there are 10 problems, we might get three done um, with that. Now the biggest concern is, well, okay, then how are they going to learn all their math or are they going to be behind? And my son was nonverbal and now he's verbal and he was doing, you know, he was excelling and now we're not going to have that. Do you have some words of wisdom for, for Candace and the other parents who are struggling in that way, just of an encouragement of how you're dealing with that concept um, as a mom of feeling like, are they going to, are, are they going to be behind or, you know, not excel as much? Okay. So um, I had a really rough summer because, you know, you know, got that thinking, oh yeah, it'll be much better when schools open up in August. And then they're like, schools are not gonna open up in August. And you're like, what? Like, I can't, I feel like a failure because I as a parent should be what my kid needs, but I can't be that. It, You know, I need all these extra supports that he had. I need them, he needs them and so actually what I did was I joined the master IEP coach. <laughs> I took the course and I was like, I'm going to find out how to make this work for my kids. So I did that. Um, we were in transition at the time. We lived in temp housing, six different Airbnbs. We were waiting for our new house. <laughs> um, but 
it was a very doable option for me, even with the craziness. Um, and I started going to therapy, <laughs> having somebody to talk to because I had missed out on my, you know, preschool drop off, talking with my friends there. You know, I didn't have any of that like I used to have where people could let me vent for five minutes or, you know, just that human interaction that a lot of us need. Um, and then when my kid, he's in hybrid right now, um, I never thought he'd wear a mask. I never, I thought I would be dragging him into school, kicking and screaming because he loves being home. Um, and going back into school, transitioning back, a lot of the issues that we had over the summer and the spring just fix themselves. And I know that's not really an answer because not everybody is in the building right now, but it gives hope. I think though. just, it, it does. Hope. It gives And hope. then moving into our new house, like having that stability even took it a step further. And I would say that he's back now where he was March 12th before, we, you know, so he rebounded quicker than you thought he would. It was amazing. And I've heard that from any parent of special needs kids, my special needs parent community, um, that once their kids got in the building, the changes were amazing. And again, that's not an answer because if schools aren't open, they're not open. But but it is, again, is some... It's hopeful. Oh, yeah. and, and I love that you brought up that you went and found an outlet for yourself, which was therapy to go talk and, and get that out into um, a productive environment. Because we all know that we're spending a little bit too much time on social media and there's a lot of unproductive nastiness that's happening on social media. That's not always the best place to find your community where you're going to share personal information and get support um, from. So I love that you um, that you brought that up and that, you know, Candace doesn't have to figure out how to get everything done exactly the way that it was before. You take some things away, you find some supports for yourself. And I love that you came into the program. Uh, Master IEP Coach is what she's talking about. So for those of you that don't know, head over to MasterIEPCoach.com. You'll find out how Jessica and Jessica and Lindsay ended up uh, working together and really serving their own communities. And everybody works independently as a master IP coach, but we're all together in a community making positive waves of change. And that means learning how to prioritize and do things differently and accommodations and modifications are huge and all of that stuff. So let's see, um, I have this question here from Tina. This is gonna be our last question for today, uh, but I cannot pass it up. And um, I'm going to pass this over to Jessica Ann Kong to get us started. And I will probably pop in just a bit because this puts me on fire when it comes to a situation like Tina is describing. She says, my son is a little older. He's in ninth grade and very dyslexic. And they put him in ninth grade content when he's at, he's at a third grade level of work. We had a meeting but nothing has changed. 
And I'm so frustrated for the, her son, for her as a mom, because here's the thing. Here's what I what I pulled out is, is Jessica's kind of formulating where she wants to start, because I know that she's going to have, you know, a laundry list of things that could be done. We got to figure out what to give Tina first to do, because I, I want to jump in with you, Tina, and, and just be like, listen, you actually have some really nice data there. You're like, my son's in ninth grade and he has a third grade, you know, academic level. Like a lot of times we don't even have that information when we get started in a conversation like that. So first of all, I want to give you that, Tina, as a win, that you know that information props to you um, as a mom, you know, communicating with the team and knowing that that's so important. So, all right, Jessica Ann Kong, what is a couple of the first steps that you would have Tina do to start to remedy this situation? So the first thing that I would do is I would take samples of the work that you know that he's receiving, attach it to an email and use your mom voice. There's two different types of emails, your mom voice, and then the one that's a little bit straight to the business. It's it's not as nice as the mom voice. So, so always start with the mom voice and then just kind of ask, hey, we had this meeting. I understood X, Y, and Z. This is the work that my son has been receiving, which is clearly ninth grade level, and he needs work to be done at the third grade level. I need this to be resolved. What can I do to help you to make this happen? And then you're opening up a conversation. Absolutely. So I, I love that. Those are all the strategies that we teach inside the Master IP Coach Mentorship, uh, which just makes my heart full because it is, it's your like, like, this needs to get done. Can I do something to help? Let's put a deadline on this. Like, let's go. We can't have this anymore. The other thing, Tina, is there's a good chance that if you had a meeting, yet nothing has changed, that the paperwork might actually be correct. The paperwork itself of your child is in ninth grade and needs certain accommodations and modifications, those all might be listed appropriately and they're just not getting done. So my next step for you is going to be like, as you send that email that Jessica talked about, is to make sure that you go into the IEP and you look for the accommodations, modifications, or supports, however they label it. It's there, no matter what state you're in, that section is there in the IEP. And I want you to go look at what is supposed to be happening. Are they supposed to be modifying the worksheets? Is it supposed to get extended time? Supposed to have, um, you know, maybe a private breakout room if it's virtual learning to get some of this work done with the teacher? How are the resource minutes being used? How um, how are social work minutes being used? And if your son doesn't have social work minutes, does your son need social work minutes? You know, when there's a deficit uh, from ninth grade to third grade and we're looking at dyslexia, as being a piece of that, a lot of times we have some social emotional needs that need to be addressed to assure that the child can access their education. There are so many layers, but get started with that email, go to accommodations and modifications. And again, I wanna remind everybody that you can speak directly with a master IEP coach at myiepcoach.com, or you can figure out how to be a master IEP coach yourself and head over to masteriepcoach.com. I am going to close out with a comment from Candace because it's so important. I want as many parents and teachers to hear this. Um, Candace just wrote and said, thank you for the tips. And I've thought about seeing a therapist for a while now, and I'm definitely going to go seek some help. And you know what? That's what we need. We need all of us working together and supporting each other, even when we can't be the answer ourselves for everything that Candace needs. She absolutely needs to know that that we as a community 
are behind you and getting whatever you need as a parent or a teacher to do your job well. And that means taking care of yourself. And there's a whole lot of talk about self-care out there. There's a whole lot of um, like hypocrisy about it too. Here, you know, make sure that you have self-care and take care of yourself. And here's 99 other things that you need to do and put this on your to, on your to-do list. And we need to figure out to pull back and get the supports that we need. So Candace, we are cheering for you to get what you need so you can do what you need to do at home for yourself and for your family. So cheers to you. And um, please follow up with us. Let us know um, if there's anything else that we can do for you again over at myiepcoach.com. So Lindsay, Jessica, and Jessica, thank you for being here today. We're going to invite Jacqueline back on another day when the internet is cooperating so she can share her tips from her perspective as BCBA. And I know she has some great strategies to share with us in the future about um, just the entire team getting extensive amounts of information and being able to work together. It's a phenomenal process when it all comes together. We'll do that on another day. Thank you, everyone, for being here. All right, everyone. And that's right. I forgot. We're all on mute. We're going to end this exactly how we started. For our podcast listeners, everybody just waved and said goodbye because I'm sure there's some noise in the background. So we're not going to unmute right now. All right, everyone. We'll talk to you next time.